Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of What's Your Medicine? I'm your host, Dr. Josh Levitt, and today's show, we are getting our feet and our fingers dirty with a down-to-earth discussion about mushrooms. They can be edible, they can be medicinal, they can be psychoactive, and they can be toxic. And I had Dr. Lindsay Chimaleski in the studio with me today to talk all about it. And she decorated my desk and the studio here with all sorts of cool wild foraged mushrooms and brought mushroom shaped cups for us to drink from while we dove deep into the world of fungi. It was an amazing episode. I know that you are going to love it. We're going to jump right into all of it in just a minute. But before I do, I want to remind you to text the letters P-O-D to 51472 to join the What's Your Medicine community. You'll get early access to new episodes, live Q&As with me. We've got some amazing member giveaways and all sorts of great stuff for you. So text P as in podcast, O-D as in dog to 51472 right now to get on that list. Today's episode of What's Your Medicine is brought to you by Up Wellness, where they are all about nutrient-rich living. Now, for me, both personally and professionally, the nutritional and herbal supplements from Up Wellness are first-line medicines, and I think they should be for you too. Now, of course, as the person who formulated their products, I am a little biased, but I know that once you try Golden Revive Plus for your joints, Rest and Recharge for your sleep, or Immune 11X for your immune system, you will feel the difference and you will understand why these products are so very popular. And because we are so grateful to have you as a What's Your Medicine listener, you can get a 30% discount on anything you buy at upwellness.com by using WYM at checkout. That's WYM, which stands for What's Your Medicine at checkout for a full 30% off any purchase at upwellness.com. Today's subject is mushrooms. And I tell you what, it does not get any more down to earth than that. In fact, I am barefoot in the studio today, and so is my guest, who is a naturopathic physician and a mushroom maven herself. This is Dr. Lindsay Chimaleski. Hi, Lindsay. Hi. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Happy yeah. to be here. Yeah, this is fun, right? I, um, I was out there in the woods this morning. I go on a hike every day. I'm sure you do too, mm-hmm. or at least close to every day if possible. I was out there today and in, in your honor or it, sort of like thinking about our upcoming conversation, I was like tapped into the woods in a different way. I was like looking around and noticing, of course, I don't know, probably like at least 10 different species of mushrooms, just like just in a casual walk. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that must be like what the world, the world, it must be quite a world for you out there. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. Yeah. It's, um, it's super tempting maybe to jump into like a, a conversation about mushrooms as medicine, you know, with like a conversation around like lion's mane is good for neurologic health. And this is why, or turkey tail is good for cancer or psilocybin, the psychoactive mushrooms. Like that's a big conversation these days too. And I promise all of you, we're going to get to all of that today. And Lindsay's an expert in all of that stuff, but I don't want to start right there because I want to start like actually in the, in the woods. Right. Um, and the thing that I was thinking about today, and I actually took my shoes off in the woods at the end of the, I know you do that yeah. a lot. I've seen pictures <laughs> on your Instagram before of your little toes right there on the log. And, um, in your honor, I took my boots off at the end of my hike today. I was walking around and I did feel very much like tapped in. So, um, what was I tapped into? I guess the question is, and you know, we can talk about how this network that's in the forest. And I just love to hear your thoughts on it. Cause I know you're, you're maybe even more tapped into it than I am. 
Yeah, I mean, first, that's just like the best compliment in the world to be told that, you know, you looked at the, the woods a little bit differently or you just paused for a moment, taking your shoes off, even better. If yeah. I can inspire that, then I'm doing something, right? Yeah, my good opinion. work. You got one. At yeah, least. yeah, exactly. Hopefully we can get some more. Like yeah. My kookiness is, you know, hitting hitting in some good form. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it's just, it's the, the ultimate wisdom. You mm-hmm. know, mycelium is everywhere. There's the little facts and the, the fun things that are fun to think about. Like in one step, there's 300 miles of mycelium under your foot mm. interconnected right so you step in one part of your little trail and the rest of your trail knows you're there yeah. and it's kind of tuned in and it's like oh josh just got here you know yeah. and it's ready to like see you along the way and show you different you know friends these mushrooms they pop up and you can just you see them you say hello you see them change with the seasons it brings you into your surroundings in that different way you're reminding me right now there, there was a movie a documentary um i think it was it was the famous one, Fungi Perfecti, maybe, yeah. or something like yeah. that. That was oh, the name yeah. of the brand. It yeah. was, um, uh, my, um, I can't remember the name of it, but it, we'll, we'll put it in the show notes later. Fungi. Fantastic Fungi or Fungi, however you like to say it, it doesn't matter. Fantastic Fungi. Amazing, right? Like all the slow-mo videos and stuff. Mm-hmm. And there was a part in there that like where they showed footsteps walking on like a path, and each footstep kind of like lit up. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like CGI or something, but like lit up and like showed like the network around. And that's what you're talking about. Like this sounds almost science fiction-y, right? But like what you just said maybe sounds kooky or hippie or barefoot hippie person or whatever, but yeah. it's real, right? Like there's a mycelium network. That's like the roots, if you will, of the of the mushrooms. We just see their little fruits on the top, but they're connected in the soil. And that's what I meant, actually. When I was in there today, I was like, whoa, you know, my feet are connected to this ground and they're sending signals to the trees, to the bushes, to the animals. To, it's, it's just like that's a kind of connection that's really hard to appreciate if you don't even know that that's underneath your feet, right? Yeah. And I think one of the other fun statistics to kind of put it into a frame of reference is um, like 30% of the soil in a forest is going to be mycelium, either dead or alive. Mm. And so it's always there being the recycler, doing the work to, to change things. But it's it's hugely present. It's not just like a hippie thing. Oh, we're all connected through the trees. Yeah. Like, no, we literally we are, are through yeah. mycelium filaments like connecting us. Yeah, right, right. It's, it's, it's really... It's really remarkable. And I don't know, for some, for, in some way, like I was out there today by myself. Well, I had my dog with me and I'm connected to her and obviously in a way, but like it makes you feel or me feel anyway, not alone, right? Like it's like Absolutely. there's, and I mean, plant, plant medicine people have said this a lot too. And I know mm-hmm. you, you know, your, your expertise goes beyond just the mushrooms, which we'll talk about, but like plants can do that. Birds and animals can do that too. Like, oh, you're in the woods. You're by yourself. No, you're not by yourself. Absolutely that's not. an oak tree. <laughs> that's a maple tree. That's a, you know, this kind of mushroom or that. And that's, I don't know. There's some like I don't know. There's safety. I think there's medicine in that, I guess, is what I'm talking about. Yeah, you can feel home anywhere you go when you know the people there and you're welcomed and you're like, oh, nice to see you here. You know, I'll see you later, you know. And they all have different personalities, right? I remember I wrote a a foreword or a preface to a friend of mine's book. It was was a gardening book uh, about medicinal plants. And it was like... And I, I, that was the theme, right? Like there's, I have some that are new friends, some that are old friends, some that are kind of like cranky, you mm-hmm. know, and some that are like really gentle and nice, you know, and like they all have all these personalities and we'll get into the personalities. Um, I put that in quotes, personalities of the different mushrooms and their different roles that they can play in our health and, and, and the roles that they play in the ecosystem. It's really just like, it's amazing stuff. Um, and yeah, today it was so easy just to like decide that my mind was on mushrooms because mm-hmm. of our conversation coming up and then just start to see them just all over right. the place. Like they were everywhere, you know, and, um, that's a remarkable thing. Yeah. Yeah. When you tune in and when you start to train your eye, you can see it more and more. And like first you'll be like, Oh wow, I saw 10 different species on this site. And then you're like, 
standing here, I see 10 different species. Yeah, right, you know, right, you right. can see them more and more. As totally. you train That's them. kind of what happened to me today. I was like, I'm, I'm going to tap into mushrooms, you know, the mushroom energy out there. And then I, I like stood near one kind of decaying log, which would be the obvious spot to kind of look. And um, at first I didn't see anything. And then I just like hung out there for a second and like, my, like changed the way my visual field was or whatever it is. Like there's this kind of visual change. And then I was like, oh, there's a little something. And then there's another little something. And then in that little hole where it's rotten out, there was another little something. And it was just, my, it, it became clear that like I was surrounded. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Our brains are constantly filtering out information and deciding what to focus on. Yeah. So when you tune into mushrooms, you can really see that they're everywhere. Yeah. You must be like impossible to hike with them though. Like, 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 <laughs> yeah, you know, like depends. you go hiking with you and it's just like, okay, she stopped again. Like every two steps. Yeah. Yeah. It depends for sure. Yeah, what do you do? I mean, like, I mean, sometimes I want to go for a hike for like exercise, right? Like, I want to put in like six miles or something like that. Like, you you must yeah. have to just like put on blinders and just yeah. Like, go. And you have certain trails that like you go to more frequently, so you're not as you're seeing more of the same yeah. things. Not that you can't be surprised in your backyard or on the same trail, you know. But yes. like you said, it's the same like seeing friends. Certain friends, you're like, okay, Rishi, I know I'm going to see you tomorrow. Like, yeah. I don't have to have a long conversation <laughs> with you. I can keep it moving, you know. We just check in, say hi, and move on. Versus other times, you're like, oh my god, you know, blue fairy cup. Like, I gotta pause this for a minute. Deal, yeah, right? it's exactly. rare. I don't see you very often. Like yeah. I haven't seen you since our high school reunion. Exactly. <laughs> right. I haven't seen you since Ecuador. What yeah. are you doing here? Right, right. Oh, you that's, know? A, that's good. Yeah. Some live in faraway places. Exactly. Some are right next door. Yeah. And we and and some. And by the way, thank you for this beautiful display. Like our desk and our studio here looks like better than it ever has, <laughs> uh, adorned with all these beauties. We can talk about these more specifically later. Um, you you reminded me too. Do you know um, what letterboxing is? Like letter or geocache? Have you ever heard of mm, those geocaching? Things? Yeah. Yeah. So like, and and my daughter who's who's here with us now will we'll remember this as well um letterboxing is very similar to geocaching where like out there in the woods people have hidden things mm-hmm. you know and there's different like apps and you know uh, uh tools that you can use to find these little little hidden gems right yeah. a geocache might be like a little box that's got marbles or ge- crystals or something inside of it a letterbox is a very similar thing that has like um a, a rubber stamp inside of it with a little with a little booklet and you can go and find the letterbox and then take the stamp from the booklet, stamp it into your little booklet and say like, I've been here and then hide it back. Right. Gotcha. And it's, it's a really cool thing. It's basically like a scavenger hunt in, mm-hmm. the, in the woods. And we used when our kids were little, I have three um, letterboxing and geocaching as a way to get the kids out there. Right. Because it was totally. like, this is fun. Like it's a scavenger hunt. Like we'll go find this thing. And we would go like three miles in the woods and they, they would think that we're looking for this box. And we were like, treasure. We're, we're in the woods, treasure yeah. hunting. Right. But like, I was thinking about that today because um, mushrooms are like the same. They're like nature's letterbox or geocache, right? Yeah. Like they're everywhere and like you can find them and they're just hiding and then like, wow, you know? So that's kind of like the new, maybe old is new yeah, exactly. uh, version of geocache. I always so think cool. of it as like Pokemon Go, mm-hmm. which I know is like the other exactly. big one with people, you know, yeah. just going crazy yeah. trying to find it and doing that for mushrooms would be fun. But then you'd be sharing your spots. Yes. And you know, mushroom hunters are infamous for right, <laughs> keeping right, their right. spots hidden. Yeah, I don't know how that works in Pokemon Go. I'm yeah, not exactly. that tech savvy, but I know, <laughs> yeah. I know my son has played it before. They're out there hunting for something. But yeah, you certainly don't want to tell where you found that, that you know, bounty of morels or something. Like yeah. These rare shrooms, yeah. The foraging groups that I see, the people are all like really, um, they're not uptight. They're like generous about it, but they're like, it's in northeastern Connecticut. Yeah, you know? right, exactly. Like, okay. uh, hot pro tip, right? That's going to be easy Exactly. Yeah, I like cool. to make people work for it. You know, yeah. you're like, well, if you look under these trees, if you learn this queue and this queue, then yeah. you can find it, you know? Well, that's, I mean, that's another whole way to tap in, right? It's not just like opening your eyes up to what mushrooms are there. It's like knowing where to look. Like, okay, this is a tulip poplar and this is what I'm going to find, what I may find. Like, this is the, these are conditions under which this 
particular mushrooms likely to grow. It's cool. It's, it's cool. Like, and it's, there's a sad thing I think that I've heard of. It's, it's, it's called plant blindness. Have you ever heard of that before? Mm. Like plant blindness. It's, it's terrible and it, but it's curable also, which is nice. (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully we're going to cure a couple cases here today. The idea, and this is kind of an invented disease, if you will, but what plant blindness is, and it's very common is people who just can't distinguish one plant from another mm-hmm. at all, right? Like they don't know the difference between an oak tree and a maple tree or an echinacea and a black-eyed Susan or anything, right? They just look out in the yard, the forest, wherever, and it's just plants. Totally. Some of them are tall, woody ones that they call trees. Some of them are like flowers or whatever, but they don't know at all. And that's what plant blindness is. And um, what a sad thing. Yeah. It's the same as looking at a dog. I mean, like all dogs are the same. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. There's all these different varieties. And once you learn, then you can start to call them all their different names and nuances. Right, but. right. And then when you get that level of knowledge, you kind of can there's all of these, these areas can like develop into rabbit holes that just are deep and vast and inspiring. And, and, uh, and mushrooms are certainly no exception, right? I mean, they're like it's a kingdom. I mean, it's, it's like amazing, right? We have like the taxonomic kingdoms, right? Like kingdom, phylum, order, genus, species, right? Like mushrooms are their own kingdom. We have plants, we have animals. And then there's some like smaller stuff like bacteria and various things like that. But fungus or fungi, an entire kingdom with, I don't know, trillions of different species inside of it. Shocking. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a, and so what I want to do now is like start to start to crack that open, right? Like break break into the mushroom context too, and maybe maybe one way we can do that is to like think of a few particular species, you know, or just think of maybe mushrooms in general as like there's four categories I think of, and correct me if I'm wrong about this. Edible, that's fair, right? We can talk about those, and then medicinal, that's I think we'll spend a lot of our time talking about those, and then like psychoactive that's getting a lot of news today yeah and then toxic which are the ones that everybody like seems to get excited about yeah and then there's a large portion that are like just there and they're not like they won't kill you but you don't want to eat them because they're not good or it'd be chewy or too much chitin or whatever so they're just not going to harm you but you're not going to ingest them yeah they're just like kind of like acquaintances not really friends not really enemies yeah they add color to the scenery but (laughs) you know their backgrounds but they're doing the ones like probably doing a lot of the recycling and a lot of the turnover and you know cleaning our environment for us i'm sure you're right like you know in the same way that they say like humans only use you know some tiny percentage of their brain or only a small percentage of our genome is actually relevant and it's sort of like that is such a like a egotistical perspective on things yeah. i think like it's probably has a has a reason a purpose yeah and um, we just probably haven't figured it out yet which is much more likely so let's start maybe um like on edibles right um if most people go to the supermarket what are they going to find that there so the most common would be the button mushroom yeah. and that's one of the, like the most farmed you know it's the little white button it's the one that's like on yep, pizza that's like garicus yeah. uh species yeah and so those are still great for you. You know, they're still loaded with the beta-glucans and all that good medicine. Mm-hmm. So they're definitely still potent medicines um, and things to incorporate in the diet. You know, now we do see more availability of other mushrooms in the grocery stores, which is awesome. Yeah. And farmer's markets, et cetera. Um, you know, versatility is, is king with everything, right? Like whether you're eating vegetables or, you know, just in your approach to life, I'm a big proponent of that. You yeah. know, we want versatility. So having a variety in your diet is good. But yeah. those common button ones are... A good starting it's point. funny you bring that up. It's like the the idea of diversity 
it comes up so many places, right? Like it comes up obviously socioculturally, right? Mm-hmm. As an important thing, I think, for people to experience diversity, the different types of humans that are out there. It's certainly uh, important in the diet, right? Bringing in, that's what you're talking about. Even even within a single sort of food stuff, stuff like mushrooms. And then it's important microbiologically. We've had conversations about that here, like in the GI microbiome, we're starting to see all these problems that are related to the lack of diversity. So it's an interesting theme that's like sort of steep, keeps on popping up is that you know biodiversity and 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 uh gosh mushrooms is a great way to explore that is it true that like so it's agaricus species that's the mm-hmm. button mushroom so the button is the white one yep and then a little bigger than that is the brown one they yeah, call the it criminy mushroom yep. and then bigger than that is the portobello yep. are they all the same they're all the same yeah, yeah they're just like cultivated at yeah. different growth rates like, right mind so blown, that's right? a big like, one for a lot of folks <laughs> yeah, like right. they were like i get fancy mushrooms i get portobellas yeah. and i'm like Okay, yeah. let's start. Yeah, you get the criminy mushrooms. Those are the brown ones, right? Yeah, and right. all they are is just like a few weeks older than the white yeah, ones, right? That's all. Right. Is that true? That's all that is. Yeah, that's something. I suppose the same is true in eggs, right? Like they're, the brown eggs are just like more expensive because people think they're better. They're yeah. just eggs. You know, they came from a slightly right, different type of chicken. It's not like, yeah. Know, yeah. So that's interesting. All right, so there you have it. Portobellas, criminy mushrooms, and button mushrooms are all the same. Yep. And those just, ones have the agaritine in it, which mm. is something that in the mushroom community, like some folks are really adamant about warning folks about uh, it, it cooks off for the most part so in my opinion you're still totally good as long as you're cooking your mushrooms yeah. which is an important thing to do with all your mushrooms mm-hmm. in my opinion which we can talk about later too well yeah we're talking about edibles let's talk about that yeah now. yeah um but so you cook off the agaritine which is one of the components that could be cancerous uh-huh. so you know again like people will be anti-portobello mushroom or that kind of thing i think if it's one that you're mixing in throughout the week totally fine if yeah. you're doing it every day in high amounts like anything else every day in high amounts yeah probably not the best idea right so um, there you have it no raw portobello mushrooms or criminy or button mushrooms stay away from those raw and and i've seen and, and some of our really mushroom attentive listeners will probably have seen there's been a few stories online and little clips of podcasts with various people right. that are famous in the podcast and mushroom <laughs> world yep. who get like really dramatic about right. this uh about this portobello mushroom situation it's probably no big deal um, as long as they are cooked because that compound has been removed. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so there you have it, edibles. And, 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 and you're right. I mean, I've certainly seen like an expansion of the mushroom offerings that are in grocery stores. Yeah. It used to just be button mushrooms. That was about all you could ever get. Yeah. And now on restaurant menus, I'm seeing like oysters, which is cool. And there's a mm-hmm. whole bunch of them. Yep. Um, what else are we seeing? Like... You know, there's a bunch of Asian ones if you go to different Asian restaurants. Sure, the Woodier and those ones. Woodier, yep. yep. Yeah, that's another one that comes up. Chamella, the uh-huh. like snow fungus. Chanterelle, that's another one yep. that came up. Didn't you see some of those recently? Yeah, I saw yeah. chanterelles yesterday for yeah. the first time ah. this season, yeah. Nice. Well, mm-hmm. that's good to know. Yep. And do you go out there and harvest them and eat them? Is that a... So it depends, like it, how plentiful they're growing. Yeah. You know, if it's a little spot, then I'll, I'll take them when they're, when they're ready or I'll take a few kind yeah. of thing. Um, yeah, sure. you have a, you're talking about a consciousness for like the... The, the 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 stand of mushrooms in the right woods, exactly right? Yeah. like yesterday I saw like a few baby ones like just starting yeah. and like I was tempted to take yeah. them and put them in my frying pan right. you know at home yeah but I was me. like I'll be back for you in a few days yeah <laughs> you told me something cool though that like I think you know I I like to. I'm, I'm cautious about it, right? But, like, I like to wild forage things as well. And one of the things that comes up, it's not a mushroom, is this plant called ramps, right? Mm, it's like an right. oniony garlic thing for those of you who aren't familiar with it. And a lot of people are really sensitive about ramps because they take a long time to grow. And, yeah. like, it's, it's you know, many, many people harvest them and stuff. So, yes, we want to be cautious if we're out there in the woods, not damaging or, you know, pillaging the supply. But, like, 
foragers baskets like the basket that you have here they have holes right so tell, tell, yeah. tell me about that like it's a cool thing about mushrooms that doesn't apply to other plants right so other plants if you're harvesting a plant and you're using the root as medicine right you're using that whole plant so that's the big concern with over harvesting but uh with mushrooms you're when you're harvesting you're spreading the spores so as even just the act of you harvesting you're spreading you know zillions of spores through touching the mushroom and doing that kind of yeah. thing sending it out into the environment then if you're walking with a bag that's open that has holes in it or a basket is like classically you know it's extra cute yeah. and it's helping the mushroom spread the <laughs> right. spores. Yeah, the basket has holes in it and the spores. I mean, and like you said zillions, like it's true. I don't even know if that's a number, but like yeah. it's, <laughs> uh, it's it's amazing. And what people do for, for those of you who aren't familiar with like mushroom identification, which is really important, right? You can take this thing called a spore print. You want to talk about that? Like what, what that even is, like how, how it's done? Yeah, so a spore print is where uh, a mushroom that has gills, um, you would cut like if it's a step, uh, chem and uh, cap and stem mushroom you would cut it here and then you put just the top of the mushroom on paper you want to put it on like face down gills down you put it on white paper and black paper half and half ideally and then a few hours later or overnight you'll have a spore print and those spores will have a certain color that's mm -hmm. something that can help you with identification so before you eat anything when you're first learning you do your spore prints to get really familiar with the mushroom yeah. and then you can be more confident yeah, it's just one other way to ID them. And it's amazing to think that, like, this looks almost like a painting. Like, they can be very beautiful. Yeah. They're just dropping down onto that paper on the white background, on the black background. And, um, but every one of the little dots of that paint is a spore, yeah. right? Like, there's. Right. <laughs> there's literally zillions. And they, they're amazing. plentiful and you yeah. can see them too when you do the spore prints. If you leave an oyster overnight, it'll be thick. Like it'll be almost like cheesy, mm -hmm. you know, and it has so much on the top of the reishi there. You can see that brown on it. That's yeah. not dirt. That's all spores from the mushroom above it distributing those. Wow, it's amazing. And, and, and any one of those has the potential to grow into another, right? So right. So imagine walking through the woods with a basket or a mushroom in your pocket, you know, just be spreading all over the place. Right. Yeah. And that, so there, some people will be really, you know, adamant about harvesting mushrooms certain ways, you know, cut the stems, you leave a bit of the mycelium, et cetera, et cetera. But really, when you look, then they've actually done studies that show that, uh -huh. like, in the areas where it's harvested, they actually have more mushrooms and more biodiversity of those yeah. mushrooms from the harvesters going in and picking them and spreading them. Yeah, that yeah. It's one of those times where, yeah, harvesting, you know, seems like it might be dangerous to the wild populations, but it's actually it's But actually they're better. here, and yeah. they, they want to interact with us. Yeah. You know, that's the other piece of it, is, like, we're one of their spreaders, one of their propagators, yeah. and they've been, you know, calling out to us in a variety of ways, whether yeah. it's being psychoactive, whether it's being really cool looking, yeah. whether it's being a medicine, tasting good, you yeah. know, they want our attention. I've heard you use the term before plant allies. I think I'm sure it applies to mushrooms too. And it's a cool way of thinking about it, right? That like, and, and, and even maybe cosmically, right? Like right now at this time in the world, which is the world is troubled in all kinds of ways. We can <laughs> talk about that another day, <laughs> right? But um, I, I, I often do think about that way, like that, 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 that things like mushrooms having their moment in the sun, which is a weird irony, right? Because mushrooms mm -hmm. don't need a lot of sun, but like, <laughs> you know, it's like they're having their, their moment in the spotlight. And um, that is at a time when probably like we need them more than ever, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Adaptogenic herbs are kind of similar, you know, it's sort of like, wow, all of a sudden, you know, things like ashwagandha and other plant medicines that like help people manage their stresses better are coming to the fore. They're rising up. We're seeing information about them all around social media and otherwise. And it's because, well, 
we need those plants right now. And they're calling out to us. You know, it's a cool way of thinking about it. Yeah. I think it's, it's like, it's an opportunity mm. for us to connect with the planet in those ways too. And to slow down, you know, cause we can use mushrooms. Like we use a drug, you can use it to keep staying busy and being super productive and like get in that routine. Right. Yeah, they yeah. use microdosing all throughout, you know, Silicon Valley and yeah. the tech industry, yeah, right. Yeah. It's, it can be used to still, kind of be a part of that culture mm-hmm. or it can be an opportunity to go back and yeah. slow down. And I think when you actually know the mushrooms and you're out in the woods and you, you know, use them as a, a moment to change in your day, that has a huge impact in everything else. Not yeah. just like popping a supplement, running out the door to keep doing your work. Right, right. Yeah. It's interesting you bring it up that way. It reminds me of something that and this was like a really a moment of, I don't know, just an interesting moment, maybe an epiphany or a moment of clarity in school. I went to Bastyr, this is like 25 plus years ago, and we took a lot of botanical medicine classes, right? And they were all taught by different instructors. And I remember like there was BotMed 1, 2, 3, and 4. There were four classes. I don't know if it's still that way. But um, the first three classes were taught by people that I would say, you know, are kind of like, that you remind me of actually, right? They were like, they were all women, first of all, and they were like, woodsy natural kind of like whole plant like i i i I say this in only the best way but they're like good witches Mm -hmm. you know like i love and i love it right like you know very well educated articulate super smart know the science but are also just like barefoot and that kind of crowd right um is that fair yeah (laughs) all compliments in my book Some people wouldn't take so kindly yeah. to it, but I, I suspect that you would. Um, and that was cool. So, like, what we learned from them was this sort of like more connected, universal, cosmic, historical, whole plant kind of way of thinking about botanical medicine. And then for BotMed Four, that last class was taught by Michael Murray, who I love, by mm-hmm. the way, and is a friend and a colleague, and I think like an amazing person for the advancement of the knowledge and the science and everything in the industry of, of natural medicine. But Michael Murray comes in and he just, right out the gates, this guy looks completely different, right? He's slick. He's got a good haircut. He's clean shaven. (laughs) And like the way I always laughed about it with Amanda is like his shoes were just shiny. Like they had like gold (laughs) buckle on it. And I was like, look at this guy. Like, Like this is like so different than like the natural hair parted in the middle, no makeup hippie lady who taught the last class. And, um... And, and he brought a totally different perspective on things, mm-hmm. right? He brought a perspective about like, kind of like what you were just saying, like plants as medicines, right? Like extracting the active ingredients, like taking the curcumin out of turmeric or taking the hypericin out of St. John's war or taking the whatever, the beta glucans out of mushrooms and applying them in a, in a nutraceutical or pharmaceutical, almost pharmaceutical kind of way. And I suppose in a way, like we're bringing the show to the, to the world like this, I think it's all medicine, right? Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't know if you agree with me or not. Like, there is that way, that kind of like more nature way, which is very important for us to connect. And then there's like a way to use these things in a more modern scientific kind of context too. And they're both real and they're both good and they both have their place. At least that's the way I see it. Do you agree? Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And I think it's all about where the person's at. Yeah. You know, if if it makes sense to a person and they understand in their framework that this is going to work in this way, very mechanistically and that works, but that gets the plant medicine into them. Yeah. Cool. You know, do I wish that they could like envision like a beautiful turmeric plant when they're taking their curcumin supplement? Yes. Yeah. You know, do I think it'll hit different? Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think you're right. Yeah. But it's, I mean, isn't it true though that like, there's nothing like a patient sitting in front of you to just bring you down to earth. Totally. Like it's like, okay, you want to like go walk barefoot in the woods and like people are just like, ew, barefoot, that's gross. Right. And so like, you know, that's your patient. Like you can either turn them off and send them out the door or you can try to help them in a way that 
resonates with them. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, yeah, that's cool that you, you know, and, and, and I think some people are better than that, at that than others. Some people have their dogma and they're just locked in and other people are more open to meeting the person where they're at. So yeah, it's cool. And that, that's, I guess, that's kind of what I'm hoping to explore in this, or, or, or am exploring in this, in this show. It's like, what is medicine? What, it's different things for different people, including practitioners, patients, people. Um, so yeah, so let's like, let, let's like, narrow it down or niche it down we talked about edibles and with the edibles yeah maybe we should just say now yeah. about cooking them yeah so that is a big deal for me with your mushrooms so mm-hmm. mushrooms in the cell wall they have beta glucans and chitin chitin is the you know same thing that's in crab shells that makes it hard mm-hmm. and that's what makes these big mushrooms hard and so it's hard to digest those on our own so we can't most people it's like 97 percent or something and people can't digest chitin mm-hmm. so if you don't cook your mushrooms you're getting more of that insoluble fiber you're not going to have more digestive issues that's actually a lot of what when people take psychoactive mushrooms that's like more of the gi discomfort is actually that chitin not breaking Uh down um but same with your other mushrooms um so if you don't cook your mushrooms then you're not breaking that down yeah but cooking cooking your mushrooms is enough enough. hot water extraction or a fancy way of saying tea or broth right these classic ways of using our mushrooms are very potent medicines it doesn't have to be like some super extracted powder yeah um but if you are using powders using like um extracted ones is going to be better than raw if you're throwing it in a smoothie or something cold right Right. so because you still want that extraction yeah good point right even even the raw mushroom that is dried and powdered didn't have that chitin removed or broken up in right. such a way. And, and raw and, sounds sexy and antioxidant. And like we all yeah. are trained to think raw is better. Yeah. And like it is for those antioxidants. But if you can't digest that medicine and it's just going through that ride, yeah. then you're wasting your time. Right, right, right. You're wasting time and wasting the, wasting the mushrooms. Right. Or maybe the, <laughs> and the medicine and the come, money the and the all of it. will come out into the, uh, yeah, exactly. into the sewer there and, <laughs> and grow new mushrooms down the line somewhere. No, it's a, good, it's a really good point. So cooking mushrooms, especially, uh, you know, for whether they are the culinary ones that we talked about with the agar- agar- agaricus. Agaricus, yeah. yeah. The, and that compound that's in there that can be problematic unless it's cooked, plus the chitin. So cook your mushrooms, folks. Um, that's the way to do it. And, uh, and that just makes them safer and tastier too, right? It, doesn't it liberate like the flavor components yeah, as well? Yeah, that umami component. You yeah. know, and that's the other thing that I love mushrooms for. And like, you know, it, it feeds joy into all those moments of the day. Like mm. you get to go out and find that little chanterelle and that excitement of finding it and yeah. like the hunt, you know, is, is activated in you and everything. And yeah. then you get to go home and make something new with it and, you know, put it with some butter, some garlic and you're good to go. They're so yummy too. I know they are. They're, and, and, and that umami taste is that like, you know, there's some glutamate or glutamic acid or whatever mm-hmm. it is that's in there that causes that like combination of salty and bitter and whatever it is, umami. It's a whole different flavor profile that just is like you, you know is is uh, is so critical, right? It's uh, it's it, it, it's what makes stuff yummy. Hey, if you like what you are hearing on the show today, stay in touch. You can do that as easy as sending a quick text that says P O D to this number. 51472 and that will allow you to join the what's your medicine community text pod to 51472 right now and we'll jump back into the show and now like a subject that i think is like so close to both of our hearts and 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 to the theme here is is medicinals right and so i said at the top of the show like it's it's really easy and tempting to like look at these for like the individual constituents that are inside of them and then like the research and the science and the clinical applications of them. And I, I want to do that, but I want to do it maybe in a way, because having you here, I think is a special treat. It's not just about like lion's mane is useful for Alzheimer's, but we can talk about that if that's true. But like, 
let's talk about a few different mushrooms and talk about just their, the whole personality of them. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, there's a few in particular, if you don't mind me just kind of peppering you with each one and let's start with that one lion's mane. And like, I'd like to hear your take on it just like as a friend, you know, as a personality and then kind of parlay that into the discussion about its use in your clinical patient population or in the research. So let's start with lion's mane. Yeah, lion's mane is one that you'll find around here in the Northeast more in like September, October Mm -hmm. time, Um, and it grows on dying trees. It's one you have to kind of look up for often or like inside the dying trees. You you have to kind of look around for it, but then once you see it, it's really big Mm -hmm. and has these funny little... you know, tendons kind of hanging out from it mm. and it's, it's bearded, you know, it's one of the shaggy. bearded shaggy yeah, yeah. kind of, um, so it looks like a lion's mane. Yeah. That's where one of the uh, names comes from. It's white the, in color, right? White in color. Yeah. Um, pretty hard to mix up with other mushrooms. So it's a pretty safe one to forage as well. So when you are out there foraging and looking for mushrooms, you know, you want to start with the ones that don't have deadly lookalikes, right? That's a pretty Obvious, safe thing yeah, to do, yeah. but it's, it narrows down things a lot. Yeah. So if you don't, if you're not even playing with cap and stem mushrooms, cause that's where more of our deadly ones are, mm-hmm. then you are a lot safer and more confident getting out there. Mm-hmm. So lion's mane is one that can build that confidence. Mm-hmm. And so you get out of there and you're like, Oh, I know exactly what that is. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, I'm a professional forager, yeah, you know? Right. Um, but it's, it's kind of funny in that appearance and it, it'll be big. Um, they also call it uh, bears, Bear tooth fungus. Yeah. Um, and that's the same thing? That's the same, and, so yeah. it's a different species. Yeah. Uh, Heracium aracineas or Heracium americanum. Uh-huh. Um, and they'll have like a slightly different um, direction of their, of their little hairs, if yeah. you will. Um, lion's mane is like the cover girl, you know, the famous one right now for neuroplasticity and nerve growth, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And definitely getting a lot of research done and hype around it for Alzheimer's and mm-hmm. dementia, Parkinson's, really all neurological conditions, yeah. multiple sclerosis, et cetera. Yeah. Um, and it has some interesting constituents that are responsible for that activity where we see that it actually can help our nerves grow new nerve growth, uh-huh. right? And have so that's why bridge those connections. What's cool is that when we actually look at studies, we see that reishi does that. We oh. see that other mushrooms do that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a big, that's a part of how mushrooms work. And we're jumping back to the beginning of the conversation where we're talking about that mycelium web. Mm-hmm. All of those little mycelium growths are interconnected, right? Yeah. And the mushroom is tra- trained to find those new connections and mm-hmm. see what works. And so they, in the same ways, can help our nerves grow mm-hmm. and help that nerve growth uh, factor yeah. be stimulated. It's interesting that you say that. I was going to ask you that too, because like Lion's Mane is, I love the way you describe it as a cover girl. Um, and it is, it's really popular in medical journals. It's coming, you know, we're seeing a lot of it again in neurologic health or neurodegenerative diseases. And I was like, is it, is that true? I mean, obviously it's true, right? We're seeing these studies show that Lion's Mane, but is it unique to Lion's Mane? And what you're suggesting is like, well, that's kind of the track. That's the mushroom that the scientists have decided to kind of hone in on, but it may not be unique to it. Right. right. It, it sounds like, you know, it's, it's probably not. I mean, maybe there is some like maybe that's part of its disposition. Right. right. It does have kind of a, a penchant for that. But that doesn't mean that other mushrooms don't. And that also mean doesn't mean that lion's mane is not good for other things. Right. right. Like your right. immune system or your whatever else. Yeah, right? totally. Yeah. And it's also lion's mane has been used throughout, you know, for centuries in Asian cultures in their medicine mm. for brain health. Yeah. And so we see it as a food staple or as a medicine for brain health. Yeah. But when people are using it that way, they're eating it daily 
daily or frequently. You mm-hmm. know, it's not a like, oh, take the supplement for three months and now you're good to go. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's a longevity strategy and that's right. where it has to be a part of the lifestyle. But we have like a fascination with reductionism totally. in, in, in Western science. And it's, you know, follow the money. So they yeah. want to take that one constituent out of lion's mane and turn it into a drug, right? right? And then all of a sudden we've got a new Alzheimer's drug. Right. And somebody's getting very rich. Right. So there, you know, there's cool information being brought out through that process, yeah. but it's, um, you know, it's definitely oversimplified, but we yeah. see that it can change the beta amyloid plaques that are developing. Yeah. And we can see all those measurable things impacting mm. dementia and brain health, which yeah. is super cool. Yeah. But, um, a lot of our mushrooms have that potential and lion's mane is, is especially good at it, yeah. but also good at, you know, treating stomach cancers and mm. all these kinds of things. Yeah. It's interesting. It's, it's, it's in the spotlight. It, it, it is, a, it's a challenging thing, right. To, uh, to deal with the reality that we have to follow that that we that the the research follows the money it right. just does but then if it wasn't for the money the research wouldn't happen and so right. it's sort of like this it's 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 always a it's a challenging conundrum for those of us who are like oh i kind of don't like the idea that like we're doing reductionism and just being so narrowly focused on lion's mane as an alzheimer's thing i mean that's kind of great in some ways but we're losing the forest for the trees so yep. to speak in a way um, but i also wouldn't want to lose that view because it's really important so anyway that's a great view on lion's mane it's also it it also kind of has like i grew it once out of out of one of those um kits like kits, yeah. yeah, and it was cool. I got a couple pounds of, of lion's mane, and it, it was very, um, it was brainy looking, kind of, mm-hmm. you know, like it's like this lumpy, cloud like structure. It was kind of awesome, and I could see, yeah, if we, when you rip it apart, mm-hmm. it looks like nerve tissue, yeah. You know, if you rip it in shreds, it has it just totally looks like, yeah, a brain. yeah, it's like to, it's like doctrine of signatures, right? Like right. that's what that's about. The, for those of you who don't know what that reference is, doctrine of signatures is this idea that, like. Um, characteristics of the plants, like the the physical characteristics, maybe like it's brainy looking, like a ginkgo leaf might be useful for the brain, or it looks like a heart and it might be useful for the cardiovascular system, et cetera. And um, yeah, lion's mane kind of fits that bill. And that's actually probably one of the ways, I mean, I know you have a lot of ethnobotanical knowledge that people figured out what it was good for, right? Like that they were looking at it and like, oh, it looks like a heart. It right. looks like a brain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a lot of the ways. And then folks also say like watching animals, what they would eat, not eat. You know, with mushrooms, you want to be a little careful of that. I think there's some that they yeah. can eat that we can't, you know, sure. different toxicity. Yeah. But I think there is there's some truth to all of that learning through what nature is showing us. Yeah, that's a different kind of knowledge than the knowledge that you're getting from a from a you know a lab in, uh, right. in a university. You know. Yeah. Um, all right. So then, then now let's do reishi next. Um, it's reishi. on the table here, right? Yep. That's this guy. That's that guy there. Yeah. Yep. That's Organoderma suge. So around us, the reishi grows on hemlock trees. That's what the suge means. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, reishi is this beautiful opportunity to connect with your environment and all of our mushrooms. So reishi comes out in you know around now. I just got those ones this morning, and they're a little bit past. Um, they've been out for the past few past weeks their here. prime in terms of their Yeah, like, just they don't right? have, usually they have this like beautiful sunset of colors mm. of white and orange and yellow and red. Here they've turned all the way to their red, um, but it's still definitely active, great medicine. And for those of you who are listening and not looking, I'm going to try to describe this. This is like a crescent shaped, almost, it could be almost like a, like a half circle, super shiny, um, kind of ridged. And it's all, and it's got like a, a hard, I'll put it to the microphone. I'm tapping the surface of it. It's beautiful. It's kind of got a spongy feeling. I can tell it's fresh and still moist. And it's just a gorgeous... It looks like it's got shellac on the, on the outside of it, right? It looks like it's painted. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah the Ganoderma, the red reishi, lucidium, is like for that shiny color. The Latin name is uh-huh. like, that's where that comes from. 
Um, but yeah, and those are a polypore. So when you're out there identifying mushrooms, you want to look at where the pores are coming from. That'll mm-hmm. be one of your first things for identification. And these have on the bottom, they have, you know, tons and tons of tiny little holes and that's where the spores come out. And that's what polypore that's means? That's what polypore means. Yeah. As opposed to gills, right? As opposed, As opposed to, to gills yeah. or toothed or, um, like a bolete or something uh. like that. The polypores are also going to grow on trees and so what it's growing on and then what kind of tree it's growing on will help you identify your mushrooms. Awesome. Um, so so the this is sticking off grow. of a tree like a shelf. Right, yeah, exactly. Like a circular shelf. Yeah, yeah. usually like a dying tree. Mm-hmm. But again, that's going to be very different from something that you could confuse that's growing in a field somewhere, right? So yeah. super safe, easy to identify. Um, and thinking back, you know, about... A, how this was harvested and this being a medicine, you know, in ancient Asia, this would be something that the, the folks who would harvest it would have rituals around it. Mm. You know, they knew what time of year it would come out mm. and they would bring a white dog into the forest with them and mm. they would go out and they would do these things as an offering to the forest spirits to be shown this mushroom, mm-hmm. right? And like you said this morning, when you, when you asked to be shown things and when you tuned in, then suddenly you're shown things. Show up. Yeah. So I think Reishi is a nice one for that kind of reminder. Like you can walk right by it. It, it blends in kind of in the periphery free but when you tune in you're like oh wow look at that giant mushroom yeah um and it's just exciting and and brings you into the moment in that way it's so cool and so like i hesitate to ask because we were talking about lion's mane and like you know like you know being reductionistic and how that can be a problem um so i gotta just be careful with how i ask the question but the question is like so what's it good for yeah right (laughs) exactly exactly uh, yeah what do people right or maybe the question is like what do what are the scientists interested in looking at it for like where do what what you know it's 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 a cover girl or it certainly deserves to be as well yeah um you know where what body system what 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 area do you think reishi is the most useful or is it famous for anyway so it's it's called the mushroom spiritual potency right so Mm. it was used by monks throughout the ages for Mm. helping with focus with meditation it has this really balancing action where Mm. it's amphoteric it's Mm. that balancing word where you can take it in the morning it can help you with focus and clarity and you feel good throughout your day and then you can take it right before bed and it'll help you get a deeper sleep Uh so it is really balancing for the mind in that way Um, it has that kidney shape it's classically used for the kidneys Uh as one option also brain hugely used in that industry again like i said it can help the neurons grow in the same way that lion's Mm -hmm. mane can super antioxidant super awesome for the immune system like all of our mushrooms are um and yeah i think of it more as that kind of like really balancing amphoteric yeah it's hard for people sometimes to appreciate that i like the word amphoteric i think adaptogenic is similar like because in the western world in western medicine it's like we use drugs right and the drugs usually like have an effect right like maybe it lowers blood pressure or uh, decreases inflammation or something like that, right? Like there's all sorts of different targets, hundreds and hundreds of different Well, Reishi does targets. both those too. Yeah, Reishi, <laughs> there you go. But that's the, that, that's a fascinating thing. And it's hard for, I think, a scientific or Western reductionistic mind to appreciate that the same compound can like raise something in one situation and lower it in another, right? Yeah. Like in this case, we're talking about energy. Reishi in the morning is like um, energetic and energizing and Reishi in the evening is... Uh, good for sedation and calming you down in a meditative kind of way. And that's like, that just doesn't make sense from a Western medical perspective. There's, there's like energy pills like caffeine or there's sleeping pills, you know, and they're, they're not the same thing. Right. Right. Um, And so herbal medicine um, and the way that it interacts in our bodies is just very different that way. And amphoteric is a good way to describe it. 
All right, so that's reishi. Yeah, reishi is also yeah. really great for the heart. Mm. And so it does lower blood pressure. It has an ACE inhibiting action. Mm. Um, so that's another little specific tidbit on it. Isn't that cool that we can like get, you know, the, the, I mean, and this is the part where the, the reductionism of science actually pays off. Like, it's cool. You just said that reishi has an ACE inhibition. So ACE inhibition, um, angiotensin converting enzyme is what ACE means. And there's a whole category of drugs that lower blood pressure that are ACE inhibitors. Um, and people use them and they're effective and they have their issues, <laughs> some problems too, but they lower blood pressure. And like, if we didn't know about ACE and we didn't know about the science and the biochemistry of that, then we wouldn't know that Reishi has something inside of it that inhibits that enzyme. And so it, here we are again at that like blessing yeah. and curse of reductionism. And it's, 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 it's super cool. It's also neat to think that like the, the way that a lot of these herbal medicines, and I think it's fair to call mushrooms herbs, even though they're not plants, right? Right. Do you call them herbs? I mean, sometimes yeah. it slips in. It's just yeah. cumbersome to, yeah. <laughs> to say yeah. herbs and fungi. Yeah, right, but, right. Yeah. Um, friends, they allies. They are a different kingdom. Yeah, yeah. allies, <laughs> friends, yeah, medicines. Um, but they have, like, um, often a broader action. Like, so an ACE inhibitor is, like, going to be a drug that's going to target this one enzyme and target it powerfully. Um, and then reishi, I'm sure, has ACE inhibition activity and probably 17 other different things that it targets and does it each in a gentle way that's more synergistic and can be more... Uh, you know, can be a lot safer in that way. And for some people in the right circumstance, even more effective too. So that's such a cool. Yeah. And more long lasting, you know, we hope and that they're helping the body return to what it wants to be doing rather than like giving it a sledgehammer being like, you're calm now. You're like, no, you're safe. You're good. You're calm. Here's a little nudge in that direction with, you know, components that work that way, but it's not like, um, quite the same as a drug because totally. when it's a whole mushroom medicine or a whole plant medicine you're getting that balanced constituent yeah. profile yeah I love that okay how about our next one we have some stuff on the table here we'll just go through one by one sure what's this one so that's actually another Ganoderma species that's the um, artist conch so when you flip that one over underneath, you so can... So that's another ratio. This one's older. Yeah. This one's probably... Yeah. And it's a different... It's a slightly different species. Wow. Almost um, woody looking. And yeah. you can... Folks will draw on the bottom of this, the... Uh, oh, that's why it's called the there. artist. Yeah, so you yeah. can draw things on it. Because there's like a canvas. Yeah. The bottom of this, for those of you listening, it has kind of a white surface that looks perfect just to sort of scratch or, you know, graffiti on or something, right? That's fantastic. Um, yeah, that's beautiful. That one's obviously a little bit older. And then next one, I'm guessing I know what this one is. Is this chaga? That's chaga, yeah. Yeah, yeah so chaga is super cool. It's actually a sclerotia or like a, a dried mycelium kind of compound it's a little different than all the other fruiting bodies mm. the fruiting body of chaga is only there for like a year uh, a day or two and bugs come and eat it all up this is kind of what's left over after it's like this canker that grows on the tree um it looks like a burl it looks like a piece yeah. of like an outgrowth from wood except different like it, it, it would be almost indistinguishable to most people from a piece of wood just growing off the tree or a gnarled piece of bark but on the inside of it or on the bottom side here is this like yellow orange color um and for those of you who are listening again like i'm holding this piece here now it's about the size of a, a little bigger than a golf ball wood looking with orange and um certainly look in the show notes for links we'll, we'll show you pictures and videos of all this stuff there yeah so let's talk about the medicine that's in chaga yeah so part of it is you can see in the color of chaga so chaga grows on birch trees mm. and um, birch trees are going to grow in more northern areas, right? Colder areas with more snow, et cetera. And especially in the winter, you know, that reflecting sun off the trees or off the 
the reflecting light off the snow is going to affect those trees. And so chaga has one of our highest carriers of mel- uh, melanin, and that's why it's black on the outside. Mm. That's that melanin deposits like our skin. Mm-hmm. And then on the inside, it's that more yellow, uh, really antioxidant-rich um, kind of creamy colored or orangey color. Yeah. And that's just the same as like, you know, that antioxidant component there. Amazing. Um, you could miss that so easily in the woods. Totally. Just, yeah, there's yeah. like in the mushroom world, there's tons of memes that's like, is this chaga? And it's like nothing that looks like chaga, yeah. you know, but everybody thinks every burl is chaga yeah. until you know and then right. you know. Yeah. Um, but it is a, a fun one for that reason. And its antioxidant profile is bigger than like anything else that we know of. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you think of your top antioxidants like acai berry or blueberries. Chaga is 6.5 times more antioxidant than any wow. of those. So wow. it's super antioxidant and just amazing for that. It was used you know, throughout the ages for cancers, those kinds of things. It's like the poor man's cancer treatment is one of the things it's known for in mm-hmm. like Russia and those areas. Lots of you know, research and things on the cancer world. Um, but yeah, it's, it's super antioxidant. Amazing. Let's move on to this one in the jar here that's sitting next to me. Inside of a uh, jar, there's all these threads, orangey-looking threads. Cheetos. I'm holding a jar. Yeah, they look like Cheetos. <laughs> I'm shaking the jar next to the microphone right now. So what's in this jar? So that's Cordyceps militaris, and that's one of the Cordyceps species that is good for farming and cultivating, and you can get in high-quality cultivated here because um, Cordyceps sinensis is the classic Cordyceps, and that one is very expensive. Cordyceps sinensis grows out of this little larva in the hills of you know, um, the Himalayas, and it's very hard to harvest. You have to hand harvest it, literally going out and crawling on your hands and knees, looking through the grass for bugs that have this little Cordyceps growing out of it. Mm-hmm. So for that reason, you know, it's very expensive. Not so easy, yeah, to right. grow. Yeah. Um, but as the story goes with Cordyceps, um, it started to be used as medicine by watching the animals, right? So herders would be out in the fields, and they noticed that the goats that were eating more of the Cordyceps were very prolific mm-hmm. and had great reproductive energy mm-hmm. and were, you know, had a lot of yang brought yeah. to them. And so then it became this medicine for fertility issues and for stamina and for virility and all these kinds of things. Uh-huh. So it would be gifted with weddings, you know, for fertility for your family wow. and that kind of tradition. And does science bear that out? Yeah. So there's yeah. tons of, you know, studies that show that. Um, we see it helpful for both men and women. There's lots of, you know, rat studies showing that it's beneficial for mm-hmm. that uh, specifically. Like another example of just this like sort of keen observation, in this case of animals, you know, foraging for some particular thing and then kind of taking wind of that and like taking a note and then using it. And, and, then, and then science bears it yeah, out. Yeah, because if it's you're amazing. a herder, you want your animals to be reproducing. Of course, and you want them yeah. to be doing these things. So it's, right. it's just natural to be noticing those things that are showing up. Amazing. Yeah, and then so we have a few more on the table here. I think I'll, I'll, this is like show and tell for me. I think those are oysters. Am I right about that? Yep, those yeah. are oysters. Yeah. Those Local are wild. Ones. You found those yep, wild. Yeah, we got those ones yesterday. Those yeah. are and that's super edible. Yummy. And also, yep. yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, you'll see those on the on the menus in fine restaurants these days. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and oysters have lots of you know research on them as well. A lot of these mushrooms, like I said, they've been used in these Asian cultures for forever. Yeah. So dating back to the fifties and sixties, we see like great studies on oysters and on um, you know shiitakes and things for their use in cancer populations etc yeah. so um, much immune immune health i mean i think yeah. a, a lot of the, the again forgive the reductionism but like these beta glucans that you've talked about a bunch are in all of these mushrooms right. right and there's like very clear research that these beta glucans are useful in 
supporting the immune system in all sorts of different ways. Right. And then different mushrooms will have certain beta-glucans that are like identified and named and studied and yeah. that kind of thing too. Yeah. Okay. So you can see it standardized right? to that. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Like my talkie D fraction yeah. or turkey yeah. tails of PSK or, you know, those kinds of things. So yeah. You mentioned maitake. Is that maitake right yeah, there? Yeah, that's, that's a little baby piece of a maitake. Baby. That's what I thought it was. That's called hen of the woods, right? Yep. Yeah. As opposed to chicken of the woods, which is the big orange one that people yeah. are all getting out there in the woods these days. And is that a turkey tail or maybe a false this turkey tail? This is a false turkey tail. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, so when you're, like I said before, when you're out there looking for mushrooms, it's really important to look at all sides of the mushroom. Yeah. You know, people will take a picture and be like, what is this? And it's like the worst picture ever from one weird angle yeah, yeah, and you yeah. can't see anything. Yeah. So you always want to look at where. follow up by saying, should I eat it? Yeah. Right. That's usually what they <laughs> right. like, Or my dog ate it or my child ate it. Yeah. Here's a terrible picture of something. Should I eat it? It's yeah, like, exactly. Uh, the answer is no. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but yeah, so for turkey tails, you want to look underneath and that'll tell you if it's a true turkey tail or some of the false lookalikes. Mm-hmm. And what's this one that's got the yellow on the inside that looks like a little so ball? This one I brought just for show and tell. It's a tiny one and the stem broke off. Um, but if you scratch the surface in there. Scratch the yellow part? Yep. With my fingernail? Ooh, it's like, yep. So it should start to turn blue. And you can write on those. That's the blue staining bolete. Yep. So boletes turned, follow oh, different so this, rules. Oh, this is the cap I'm looking yep. at now. Yeah. It did turn blue right away. Yeah. yeah. So boletes follow different rules. That one's not psychoactive. Classically, other mushrooms that turn blue are... They are, um, yeah. We can talk about species. those in a minute. Yeah. Um, but that's the blue staining bolete. So that one's not inedible. It's just a fun one to find. And, and you can write a little note on it or, or yeah. whatnot. Um, what we're looking at is the, uh, I'm looking at the underside of a cap of a little mushroom and it's, it's yellow. It's kind of a spongy yellow. It's beautiful kind of creamy yellow color. And I stuck my fingernail into it and immediately turned kind of a bluish black, almost beautiful. So that's a bleed. I'll have to look for that one out in the woods. This is amazing. The other thing that I'll say with that too, is like, again, the mushrooms kind of want to be played with. Like Mm. when you touch them, you're spreading their spores. So, you know, if you want to pick one up and throw it at your friend, you know, go for it. Go for it. <laughs> yeah, if you want to write a little cool. note, you know, and play with them. Yeah. Some of them are going to bleed. If you cut them, some will bleed like red, bl- like blood looking. Some of them uh, will bleed like milk. And those are all things that will help you identify. Yeah, it's awesome. Let's, so, and, and there's, there's a controversial issue that comes up, I think, in, in mushrooms as medicine a lot. And what it is, is the question between, or the difference between what we're looking at here on the table in front of us and much of what we've talked about is these mushrooms that are the fruiting bodies, right? Like that's the fruits, the little caps, the stems, the cute things that we all, and the stuff above the ground that we can see. And then underneath the ground, there's the mycelium, which is the, that root network we talked about that helps them connect to each other and to the trees and whatnot. But in medicine, you can use, or, or let's better put, it's been studied both, right? Like the, 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 the medicine made from the fruiting bodies and medicines made from the mycelium. Um, can you talk about that and why it's a controversy, where you stand on it, just the whole thing? No holds barred. It's cool, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. totally. So the fruiting bodies is what traditionally we've always used, right? Like For we go out, reasons, we harvest, yeah. I go pick those mushrooms. I'm not picking apart the mycelium from the mulch or from the tree and yeah. bringing that back in and eating it, right? Um, what we see now in this like kind of mushroom farming or medicinal mushroom industry is folks growing it on substrate and growing out the mycelium and using that. Mm-hmm. So the mycelium is going to grow before your fruiting body. So there's probably more of it. I would there's imagine. more of yeah, it. Yeah. And, um, depending on the mushroom, like cordyceps is one exception, or there's a few exceptions, you're going to grow that mushroom on a substrate. It needs rice or oats or something to grow on. Mm-hmm. So then you basically are inoculating these grains with your mushroom. Yeah. So to me, that's more of like a tempeh. It's 
awesome functional food. I'm sure it has lots of medicine in it, mm-hmm. but it's not quite the same as using the fruiting bodies. Yeah. If you let that product grow out, you know, a few more days longer in your warehouse, whatever, like a longer turnover period for yeah. your industry, then, the little then, pop up. Right, yeah. then you're going to get these other mushrooms, the fruiting bodies that's, you know, more similar to our other medicines. Of course, you know, if it could be wild foraged better, you're going to have more of that whole forest wisdom in the product sure. than just even the fruiting bodies that are grown on grain and whatnot. Um, but yeah, I, I'm a proponent of fruiting bodies because mm. I think it's just traditionally what we've done. Yeah. I think it's cool to use those like tempeh like foods, but not to confuse it with the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It carries some of the medicine and certainly a fair amount of the constituents, but it's definitely not the same. Yeah. And I mean, it seems like the research is there, but the research is there because that's what they decided to research. Right. right? You know, if, right. If, if my and that's what's like replicable and it's all cheaper to do it all right. that way because you're faster. 10 days shorter in the, in the grow house or yeah, whatever it yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, And there, it, to be clear, there is there is medicine and compounds that are medicinal inside the mycelium, but yeah, Absolutely. it sounds pretty, sounds like you don't have any um, reservations about saying that fruiting body is the way to, is the way to go when yeah. you're looking for or maximal sort of potency or historical use, right? That's what we've always right. used, which makes sense, yeah. And I think there, there are things like liquid fermentation grow tanks where they'll grow the mycelium in a liquid and then they can drain that liquid out and you get pure mycelium. Mm-hmm. That's definitely going to be a better option than something that's like Contains still 60% grains or something sure, like that. Sure, sure, um, And they'll do, you know, studies and interesting things. Well, they'll say, oh, it has tons of alpha glucans and other things that are good. But like, yes, those are just in oats. And that's just something we get from eating our own meal too, you know? Yeah, it's interesting. And and, and of course it makes sense. The historical use was the part that was growing off of the log, not the part that was inside of the log. That would have been much harder to appreciate. Um, Yeah, that's cool. Thank you for that clarification. I think, or maybe there's room in the industry for like where there's some, like your product, if you're buying in a capsule is 50% mycelium based. Yeah. From ideally a liquid fermentation growth tank, yeah. and then also a fruiting body. You sure, know? sure, yeah. But, I formulated products too that that, are, that contain various different blends. Some of them very well studied blends, actually, that are mixes of fruiting body and mycelium mm-hmm. in certain ratios. You know, that are that are that are again measured for characteristic compounds or marker compounds. It's it, it's an interesting world, and it seems like because mushrooms are blowing up in the way that they are, there's just ever more to learn. It's yeah. really cool to see. Yeah. Mycelium is like the digestive track of a mushroom. So mm-hmm. where our digestive digestive track is in our bodies mm. theirs is outside right yeah. and spread everywhere else yeah. so there's definitely enzymes there's definitely great constituents lots of information exchange lots of medicine there yeah. but it's just not the same as that fruiting body that has those beta glucans and a much higher content that's yeah. going to be more medicinal for your immune system and all those other things that we really know the mushrooms for. Sure. It's, I mean, it, this is a, probably an unfair comparison, but it seems like a fruiting body, well, it's called a fruiting body. It's sort of like the fruit that's on the tree, right? Like it's kind of obvious on yep. the orange tree or the blueberry or whatever it is that's growing is like, that's the little berry. That's the fruit part. There may be a lot of other good stuff. And there is indeed in like uh, blueberry plants, all kinds of good stuff in the leaves and in other parts of the plants as well. But that fruit, that's the thing, right? Like yeah. that's the thing that it uses to spread. It, it's, seed, et cetera. So that's not a big surprise that that's where you come down on that. It's cool. Um, so we talked, we talked edibles, we talked medicinals. So it, as, as our conversation is kind of winding down here as we near the end, let's, let's, let's spend a little time on the psychoactives because that is another area that's blowing up. We don't have any of those. I don't think on the table here in front of us, <laughs> um, that would be maybe bad form or maybe a, sub, a different podcast. Um, but that's an area that's getting a lot of attention in the media right now, whether it's micro doses or macro doses. Um, I just like to hear your take on, on, on just watching this, this unfold, um, as we're seeing right now. 
Yeah, I think, you know, it's it's exciting. And it's like you said earlier, it's one of those things where like our, our culture is crying out for it. Mm-hmm. You know, there's so much um, dis-ease in our culture. And yeah. there's so much trauma constantly happening and disconnection, right? Mm. So many people are so disconnected. We have our phones. We should be more connected than ever. Yeah. But it actually is this tool of disconnection. Yeah. And the mushrooms, you know, specifically the psychoactive ones, psilocybe, et cetera, are going to bring us back into connection and they help us with that connection to the grander world and mm. the planet um and you know our purpose on life etc mm. so when we think about that we see it being used in these trials with folks who are facing like existential dread and cancer treatments like terminal illnesses yeah. and they're they're using these mushrooms and it allows humans to see more than just themselves mm. so they can help to you know have ease as they face death and those kinds of things. PTSD, PTSD. depression, uh, addictions. Yes. Like you said, existential end of life crises of various sorts. And it's interesting how you use the word connection and disconnection a lot, because as I understand it, you know more about this than me, but like, I think connection is what they're all, is what they're all about. Right. Mm -hmm. Like actually like physically, like neurologically speaking. Yeah. Yeah. They're, um, they're going to help people move through their trauma and change their brains, mm-hmm. right? So our, we get stuck in this routine way of thinking, right? As we age, we get more and more rigid, more and more stuck in our ways. Yeah. And that's where we also see disharmonies like OCD or uh, addiction, right? Yeah. And those like kind of really rigid patterns. Yeah. Mushrooms, uh, so philosophy, psychoactive mushrooms are going to bring us back to that childlike wonder. Mm-hmm. And they're going to bring us back to that awe component. And they bring us back to the connection in that way, yeah. where we are questioning everything and we are seeing things new. Yeah. That's the big thing about them. So when we look at it from like a um, biochemical pathway, it's different from an antidepressant and how it affects our serotonin. Mm -hmm. So an antidepressant, most of our classic SSRIs are going to hit on the 5-HT1 serotonin receptor. Mm -hmm. And that's classically the one that's going to be more responsible for like the grin and bear it, you know, like helping to numb the situation to get through it. Mm -hmm. And there's definitely a place for that. Super important, you know, and if people need them, they need them. But long term, they're going to be numbing and they're going to help. They're going to mute that person, change their hormones, et cetera. Yeah. I've uh, seen so, that a lot. That's the class of drugs. that's Prozac and Zoloft and Celexa and Lexapro and on and on. And a lot of times people do feel less depressed, but they also a lot of times seem, and again, the drugs have their place for sure, but they seem flatter, right? Mm-hmm. Like a more numbness or a flattening. It's like, oh yeah, I'm less depressed, but I'm also less everything. Right. You know? Um, and so, yeah, contrast that. That's and they bind to a specific type of you know fancy biochemical receptor, five HT one. But the mushrooms right. do something different. So right. So the mushrooms hit on this other serotonin receptor, the five HT two receptor, which is going to have more of an impact on neuroplasticity mm. and more of that adaption and change. Mm-hmm. You know, when when my the mycelium's growing, it's trying to find the right nutrients and everything it needs. You yeah. know, and so the mushroom is kind of helping us do that in our own psyche yeah. really you know and and rewiring things amazing yeah. Re- li- quite literally rewiring like taking nerves that weren't previously in contact or sending signals and, and and really developing new pathways i think um michael pollan in his book how to change your mind which was a beautiful book about all of this described this phenomenon as like when you're sledding in the snow i love this metaphor it was like you go, you start sledding and like if you sled a lot like you just kind of create a little track and like you're in that track. And that's sort of the track that we, that you're talking about. Like we're, we get older and we get more rigid in our thinking and just kind of more locked in. And like the more times you sled down that track, the more times you're likely to sled down that track. Right. right? Like it's just hard to get out of that rut that you're in. And, um, and 
what the mushrooms do, and it's not just mushrooms, but things that have this kind of like uh, neuroplasticity effect is basically like fresh powder, right? Like the mm-hmm. snow comes down and it covers up the track. And now you can be up on the top of the hill and like there's a lot of different ways you could go. That, that old track is covered over. It's still there underneath, but you can go different ways and have different outcomes as a result. And that is such a cool way to think about that kind of way of reconnecting um, and using the psychoactive mushrooms. And it's amazing to see like the, the level of research that is happening now. Money's pouring in, mm-hmm. you know, which is a good and a bad thing, you yeah. know, um, and, um, and, and, and people are being helped, which is a, a beautiful thing in my, in my opinion. Yeah, that's awesome. That's great. That was a great breakdown. I appreciate that. Yeah, and I think a big part of it, too, is the integration. So, mm-hmm. and, you know, when we're talking about psychedelic set and setting is everything, you know, the your intention going into it, the environment that you're in are going to dictate that experience. Mm-hmm. So doing things to, you know, limit the idea of a bad trip is really important. You mm-hmm. can have a hard trip. That doesn't mean it's a bad trip. Mm-hmm. You know, you can have an experience that's really harrowing and you can face traumas and things that have been like a, a really deep, hard part of you. Yeah. But that doesn't necessarily mean it's bad if you're moving things forward if you're able to integrate that information after if you have a team if you have a strategy to deal with what comes up after that's like the therapy that's saying okay what did you learn what did you face how can we put this in context because it's like anything else otherwise it could be like a dream where you have this wild experience but then if you don't do the work then it doesn't stay yeah yeah of course it makes sense and it's good that i think most of the research is sort of considering that it's not just a here take a pill right have a trip get better but rather here take a pill have a trip let's talk you through it and then let's reintegrate afterwards right right? and these are typically done in these in this style is like you do one or two of these more heroic doses and then nothing for a long time Uh you know so you're not doing it constantly you're not you know trying to make the water too muddy but you are stirring up things to deal with them and then having a plan it's remarkable to me that that's even happening now i mean it's hard to even imagine you know thinking back 20 something years ago in natural medicine that this was even a subject that was getting the kind of research attention and yeah. even mainstream media attention that it's getting now. It's, re- it's remarkable. And that's, and that's, I think, a good thing. People are becoming more open. So that's the psychoactive side. We did edibles. We did medicinals. We did psychoactive. And then there's now the toxic, right? Which probably, I, I don't know my numbers, but like represents a rather small amount of the overall mushrooms yeah. that are out there. But yet it seems to be the thing that everybody gets all excited about. Yeah. Right? Like they can so, kill you, they can kill you, you know? Right. Definitely we have a very like... Um, fungi-fearing society, <laughs> yeah, and that's right. a part of all of this. And because yeah. folks are afraid of the psychedelic ones too, yeah, um, it could kill your ego, or it could kill you, or yeah, you know. Right. So I think that's a part of it. But that's all. I mean, there's many reasons for that. One, I think, is is control, right? Mm. So our government doesn't want you to free, uh, think freely, maybe. Mm. And so psychoactive ones that expand your mind and don't want you to just be in like another sheep, you mm-hmm. know, that's the, the argument there is that yeah. that's a control thing. Yeah. Um, so if we tell you, oh, if you eat any mushroom from the woods, you could trip, you could lose your mind, right? You're going to go, you're going to get, you're going to turn into out. a hippie. And, right. Uh, exactly. <laughs> take up you know? arms. Yeah, and there's, totally. there's truth to that. Like, yeah. it, you know, we don't, we don't want psychedelics to trigger somebody into schizophrenia that can happen in mm. those disordered brains in the same way that we were sure. talking about before. But um, I think that's a, a fear component in the same way of saying that a lot of them are toxic. Mm-hmm. So I think it's like three or four percent of the mushrooms are toxic. There's definitely a higher percentage of plants that are toxic than mushrooms. Yeah. Um, and like and relatively. 
So it's it's this whole fear based thing. But the thing that's crazy about it too, like I was out there, I told you this morning, and I saw the Smurf House mushroom. I think they're on here, right? This is Amanita of oh, some yeah, sort, yeah. right? Like it's mm-hmm. the red one that has the white dots on it. And I saw one of those. It was actually munched around the edges. I should have mm-hmm. taken a picture of it um, out in the woods this morning. And that one's pretty toxic, right? I mean. Yeah. So the yeah. Amanitas, uh, the white ones are more the toxic ones. Uh-huh. The the Philodes is the like toxic species. Is that the scary. death cap? The, yeah, death exactly. Cap. Uh-huh. The death cap. Uh-huh. Um and those are the ones that will like shut down your liver, slow, painful really death. Yeah. You know, you think you're fine. You think you get through the GI distress after a few hours and then your liver is shutting down and then you die. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's yeah. bad. Yeah. So, like milk thistle, silymarin is the only thing that can help with that. Mm. When that does happen, that's what they administer in the pro hospital. Tip. Yep. <laughs> um, but pro tip more so is just don't eat those. <laughs> um, but the Amanita muscaria, it doesn't have that same toxicity on the liver, mm. but it does have psychoactive components. It has the muscamol and ibotenic acid, which have psychoactive and sedating components mm. um so that's kind of more in the like magical realm the santa mushroom all uh, those kinds of yeah things. the santa mushroom you told me about this <laughs> Lindsay. you got as we wind up here like this is amazing so we're talking about this red mushroom this is the classic smurf house right it's red mm-hmm. and it's got the white dots on it and there's like a santa claus tie in here which is mind-blowing Tell, share, share that story yeah. so classically this mushroom grows a lot in like laplands and those areas in siberia and as the story goes, is that the shamans would be carrying these mushrooms around, right? And everything's all snowy, and it would be um, wintertime, snow everywhere. So there's not even, you know, a door to go in through the house. So the shaman might drop the, the gifts down the chimney to bring them to the family. Sounds familiar. Um, exactly. <laughs> and the, what's classic with the Amanita, it's also called the fly agaric. And that's because they would use it to kill flies and get rid of flies. But it also has this, uh, like energy of flying so a lot of folks when they ingest the fly agaric they'll feel a flying sensation Mm. um and it also is something that they the reindeer would eat so reindeer would eat it they would be all silly act like they're maybe feel like they're flying Mm. and then uh, the other part of it is that the reindeer then can pee it out and in the urine actually the ibotenic acid and the muscimol are still there and it's actually less of the GI effects when it's been processed through the urine. So oftentimes in these stories, it would either be the reindeer urine or the shaman's urine that people would drink. So they would get more of the experience and less of the GI side effects. Um, but Using yeah, so you get an experience process the mushrooms of and flying. We have to do an episode on urine as medicine. Maybe. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the whole other one. So now we're flying around in the winter with a red and white mushroom it right. sounds like santa claus exactly it? Yeah. and the gift would be like the the wisdom you would get from it right wow. and the, the the teachings that would come from it it's fantastic wow mushrooms really are everywhere they're part of our, the fabric of the stories that we tell the holidays the rituals that we celebrate it's amazing that's an amazing story that's fantastic yeah and we see amanitas because it's not illegal that's popping up in the product industry more and more and really? like in drinks and those kinds of things uh-huh. um, so you can get amanita and use it as a medicine and it's great for pain control so uh-huh. a lot of people will use us as an option to work off of opiates and you know different things wow. like that too so much useful medicine out there in the world. I've seen I've seen your posts before, and you have a beautiful Instagram feed. We can talk about where people can see that in a minute. And like 
a, a lot of times in the little stories and whatnot. You're so good at it, by the way. Like you're making those <laughs> posts and everything. It's amazing. Um, and I see you saying things like medicine is everywhere, you know, and you're seeing it. Your eyes are open to it. Mm-hmm. And that's so true. I mean, yeah. you know, what can we say? Yeah. The other yeah. thing I'll say about them being toxic is even that most deadly toxic one you can touch. You know, mm-hmm. you can still get in there, do your spore print and learn it. And then you're like, okay, I know that's a toxic one. Yeah. And I'm not going to play with that one. Yeah. But you can touch all your mushrooms. So yeah. don't be afraid to touch them. Get near them. You don't have to, to have that like, ah, run yeah. away feeling. Yeah. You know? There's some quotes that I always think of, you know, the, 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 cause it is a little bit scary, right? Like if people want to just get a mushroom to eat and they don't want to have a psychoactive trip or they don't want to have GI distress, I, I can understand. And I think anyone can understand the, or appreciate the, the seriousness, right? You have to know mm-hmm, what you're doing. Course. And I want to close with like getting a little bit more resources for how people can do that. <clears throat> But before we do, there's, there's always a couple of quotes I always think of when, when I'm seeing mushrooms in the woods. One of them is, um, there are old mushroom hunters and there are bold mushroom hunters, but there are no old, bold mushroom hunters. Right, exactly. right? So yeah. It's kind of true, right? Like that, that, I think it's a cautionary tale. Be careful. And then the other one, which is sort of silly, um, but is kind of true, I suppose, too. It says that um, all mushrooms are edible. Some of them only once. Right. Exactly. <laughs> right? Exactly. Uh, which, of course, is probably a reference to the death cap. Yeah, you can yeah. eat it. You just won't ever eat again. Right, right? exactly. Um, so yes, be careful out there. So I, I think that's a good segue into like the, the, the last line of inquiry that I have for you, which is number one, how can people get into this? Like, yeah. This as a, as, a, as a subject of study, a subject of interest. Um, and then second to that, how can people learn more or connect with you? Yeah. So, I mean, there's so many more resources popping up now for mushroom hunting. My first and foremost, most important thing for mushroom hunting is go outside. You know, you have to be out there and you have to be out there frequently to like see things. I think it's really helpful to have a trail that you do a lot of times, like do the same trail once a week in your rotation so that you're seeing things growing at different seasons and living in connection with that environment. Um, And then you see something different, you know, and you're like, whoa, that wasn't there yesterday. Yeah going out after the rain, right? Mushrooms need that water, need that rain. So doing things like that will help you find more mushrooms and be more successful. And just being curious is, is important. You've got to get out there and kind of crawl around and, and do, the, do the dirty stuff too. Yeah. Um, but there's apps like iNaturalist is one that I use where you can take a picture of the mushroom. It can help you identify it. Um, there's foraging groups on Facebook that are super helpful to be a part of too, because then, like I said, like I could have posted, this is a mushroom I saw this morning, chanterelles are popping up. Then you go in the woods and you see them and you're like, Oh, that is a chanterelle. Yeah. Like, and you get that secondary confirmation and of it. Makes it sense. And it you should actually be growing now. It. I saw her post exactly. earlier. Yeah. And then the next yeah. time you, you feel yeah. confident cause you know it. Um, so I think that can be really helpful. There's mushroom societies that are always a great place to mm-hmm. start cause they'll have forays where you go out on a Sunday and pick every mushroom in the woods, lay them all out on the table, look at them and, um, get to know them all with people who know what they're doing. Right. Yeah, and right. like how to key them out and going through that process. That's too. great. Yeah. Yeah. And then people can grow them themselves too. There's yep. kits like I've grown. We talked about lion's mane. I grew oyster mushrooms once too. There's a lot of different companies that are producing those. Are you connected to any of those? I'm not connected to any yeah. of them directly. Um, I have a friend in mass who I teach some online classes with, um, Fungi Ally, who who has grow kits and products and things Great. like uh, that. We can put links to that in the show yeah, notes too. Yeah. I'd love for people to grow their own mushrooms too. That feels um, very manageable and safe. It's obviously yeah. a lot different than going out into the woods and finding something. Yep. But um, it's such a cool way to watch them just like explode out 
out of that kit and then have this cool thing that you can eat yeah. and that you can appreciate. Yeah, so that, that, those are all great tips. I, I, I wasn't expecting you to say that. It's just most simple tip. Just go outside. Yeah. Please, just go outside. Yeah, exactly. That's the place to start. Yeah. And then once like, you're outside. Like, look under a log and go slow, yeah, you know? Yeah, go slow. Open up your eyes. It's all out there. Don't have plant blindness. Don't have mushroom blindness. Um, and then how about connecting with you? Uh, we'll put links to everything of yours, your websites and your Instagram feeds, which is so beautiful. But how can people connect with you if they want to yes. see more of your work? So my, my main way is my Instagram feed, uh, the, the Botanical Doctor mm. is that one. And then I also have one, I'm in a Mushroom Mood. Um, that's the main way to connect with me about mushrooms and plants and right. teachings and all those kinds of things. Excellent. And it's, it's a beautiful Instagram feed indeed. I uh, have followed it for a long time and I love the photos that you take. Lindsay, this was a treat for me. Um, I hope it was a treat for all of you listeners out there. Thank you so much for coming and making this studio and set so <laughs> beautiful today. We'll give you all some images of everything that's here, um, including these dainty little mushroom cups we were drinking <laughs> our water out of today. This was, um, this was a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. You can find the links to Dr. Chimileski's beautiful Instagram and the rest of her work right there in the show notes. And if you did like what you heard today, please give us a like and a review. Those podcast reviews really, really help. And if you want more information like this in between episodes, follow me on Instagram and you can do that at Dr. Josh Levitt. That's at D-R-J-O-S-H. L-E-V-I-T-T. I look forward to seeing you there.